everyone, welcome to the Unleashing Brilliance podcast. I'm your host, Janine Garner, and I've pulled together some of the greatest minds from around the globe to help inspire you to release your own brilliance into the world. Whether we are talking to entrepreneurs, business owners, or just some all-round awesome people, I can guarantee these conversations will help you start thinking about how you can create more impact in the work that you do. A mix of incredible interviews and my own personal musings, join me from wherever you are to begin the journey to unleashing your own brilliance into the world. Hello, hello, Janine Garner here, the host of this podcast, Unleashing Brilliance, and I'm excited at today's conversation. Dr. Susan McGinty, today's guest, believes that female leadership can create powerful, positive, and far-reaching impact. She shares openly that there is too much talking about the lack of women, particularly in STEM leadership, and the impact that this lack of is having on STEM capability. And she is passionate about changing that space, doing something about the current stats to ultimately get to a place of status quo and absolute equitability, if that is such a word, across the board. She is an incredibly smart woman. She had 10 years of chemistry research. She has done a PhD. She's worked in the public service. She's had over 25 years of experience in the world of STEM through study, research, application to defense policy and capability and broader industry. And so Susan really has a deep understanding of the barriers that are holding women back and the impact that that is having on the decisions that are being made. She now is the founder and CEO of her own business, AIR Leadership, where she acts as a consultant advisor and runs various leadership programs in organization, in organizations to empower women to really step up and to be part of the change that is needed, as well as advising and commenting on the systemic changes that need to absolutely happen. This is an awesome podcast. We talk about the difference, the subtle difference between invisible influence and visible influence and why women need to step up and become more visible in terms of how they are influencing. We talk, Susan shares three key ideas around what it is that we as women need to do to really unleash our brilliance in our own work, whether you're in STEM or any other industry, how to unleash your brilliance in terms of building your own positioning, in terms of getting clear on the contribution that you want to make and understanding yourself in that, why it matters. And she talks to a message that's close to my heart around how surrounding herself with some key people during her career who believed in her were the fundamental reason that her career changed too. This is an awesome conversation about transforming the leadership status quo and how each and every single one of us has the opportunity to embrace our own journey and to take the lead of our own careers. Enjoy. Good morning, Susan, or should I say Dr. Susan McGinty. How are you this morning? Good morning, Janine. I'm really well. It's a sunny Canberra winter morning, which is beautiful and really excited to talk to you today. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. So let's jump straight into it because 
you've written quite extensively about some of the challenges for women in leadership in that STEM industry. Your background is phenomenal. And I really want to share with our audience today what you are noticing, what you are seeing, and some strategies and tips that you would give to fellow business owners to change some of the dynamics that are currently existing and why it actually matters. I want to jump straight into it. Now, you're really passionate about transforming this leadership status quo in STEM. You've written quite extensively about the stats and how they're currently tracking in the wrong direction. And, you know, you talk a lot about why we do need to take the lead in this space. I'm curious, Susan, where where did this passion come from? What was it? What was that watershed moment for you that took you on this journey of both exploration and then going, I've got to do something about this? Yeah. So, Janine, I think it was a both a gradual build-up, but then one watershed moment, like you said, which really was like an explosion in my face. And I thought to myself, yeah, I've absolutely got to do something about this. So I've had I've spent the last 25 years in STEM and national security and that intersection between STEM and national security. And they're both very male-dominated environments, masculine leadership styles. And so lots of barriers for women, the well-known barriers for women that exist in STEM because it's such a masculine leadership culture do translate over into that masculine leadership culture of defence and national security. And so, you know, I I wanted to be a leader. I learned some fabulous leadership in the public service, in the defence space, but it was difficult because... I didn't meet the masculine mould of what a leader is. So even though I could do great things, I was doing great things, it wasn't necessarily being recognised as great leadership because it wasn't that sort of really masculine, loud, transactional style of leadership. And so, you know, over time, probably probably for the last 10 years, I've really been focusing, I really focused in my in my public service leadership role in trying to mentor and build up the women around me, but not just the women, my teams who were STEM professionals who also, regardless of whether they were male or female, really felt this sort of distinct difference in their ability to contribute in the way they wanted to because, again, they weren't seen as leaders per se because they were different to the mould. And so, you know, I, I knew that it was challenging. I was doing things to support primarily women but also the men and then, I had this one experience, which I guess was the, you know, the real explosion for me. I had applied for a job in my organisation that I'd been working towards for 10 years. So 10 years prior, and I think this probably happened in 2017, sort of nine or 10 years prior, I'd identified, I'd really love that job. I'm going to work towards it. So I, I took all the steps. I did what I thought were the right things, what I saw other people doing to kind of get that job, the right experience, the right skill sets. And when I applied for the job, I thought, well, I'm probably not going to get it because there's other people more appropriate for me, but great experience and practice to be ready for the next time this job came around because it was a two to three year rotational position. And I was, you know, pretty delighted when someone I knew who was a woman got the job because a woman had never gotten that job before. But then my boss said to me when I asked for feedback on, you know, feedback, what can I do differently? Where do I still need to develop? What extra skills do I need to to sort of develop to be ready for this job next time. And he said to me, Susan, you'll never be in the top two. I said, oh, okay, 
Why is that? Like, help me out here. Let me know what I need to do to be to be in the top two. He said, you'll never be in the top two because you don't have the influence piece. And that was really interesting for me. It was it felt a bit crushing initially. And when I sort of, you know, probed a little bit, oh, well, what does that mean? He couldn't really be very specific. And when I went away and reflected on that, and I reflected on it a lot, I realised that because the role that I had was quite an influential role and I was doing a lot of things. My lesson out of that was that I was doing all the things but he didn't see the things I was doing. And a lot of the things I was doing was, you know, for him. So I only ever brought him solutions. I never brought him problems. I never told him about anything until the problem was either solved or we really were at an impasse and he didn't make a decision about the way forward. So I wasn't showing, I wasn't being visible in my influence. And what that made me think was that, well, I'm struggling here. I don't know how to do this, but why hasn't someone been teaching me along the way how to do this? And I thought about all the other women around me and the fact that they weren't being supported or mentored or taught how to do this either. And that's when I really decided I've got to do something about this for all the other women around me, all the other women in STEM and and the other women in the security space that I was working in. So that's probably what really led me to you know, I was already coaching women in the STEM and security space and I loved that. Coaching I saw as such a really valuable tool to unlock people's potential, help them gain confidence, you know, work their way towards their goals. But they needed more than that. They needed to be taught all the leadership skills and not just taught leadership skills but how to lead in these really masculine environments, which can be really daunting for women Yeah, so that's really what led me to do what I do now, which is as a leadership expert focused on women in STEM and security. I just love that distinction there, which I haven't really considered before, Susan, around that subtle difference and yet really important difference between visible influence and invisible influence and I certainly hear in my work so many times of women that are becoming increasingly frustrated about being the world's best kept secret you know they talk about and share their accolades what they've achieved their results at work their KPIs they're meeting their promotions their titles the books they've written whatever it may be all of this incredible stuff that they are achieving, yet right down to academic performance, right? All of that justification in the background. So this piece about invisible influence, like they can do it, but this distinction that you just highlighted there around actually we need to become more visible in terms of our levels of influence. I'm curious, Susan, from all the work that you've done, how is this presenting itself right now? I guess what I'm asking for, what are some of the the stats at this current stage in terms of, you know, the incredibly influential women that are, are coming out, educated, starting their careers in STEM, and then how it's changing as you progress up that leadership ladder? Like, what are the current numbers that we're looking at, either in Australia alone or even globally? What is the gap that we're talking about? Yeah, so the gap's huge, Janine, and and in particular there's big gaps between the different STEM streams, so science, technology, engineering and maths and maths-related fields. 
So in Australia, for example, you know, about 50% of the entry into STEM tertiary education across STEM in general is about 50%. In engineering, that's much lower. And in technology, it's, it's lower as well. And then in the sort of research, you know, exiting university education, getting into STEM, I can't remember the exact stats, but it's a bit lower than 50-50, so a few more men. But where I really focus is looking at, okay, well, how many women do we have in kind of in, working in those STEM streams? Engineering in Australia for women, I think it's, it's really low, like it's less than 10%. I, I think it's, I haven't, I haven't refreshed myself on the stats, but I think it's about 8%. Wow. Technology, again, it's really low. In science, it's maybe around the mid-20s. But STEM leadership is where I I put a lot of my attention. Across sort of STEM leadership, there's about 23% women in Australia. When you move up to the senior levels, it's much less. So CEOs, C-suite level in STEM organisations, only 11% women and about the same maybe sort of mid-teens for at the professor level in research. Um, And so Australia's got some significant gaps in engineering, you know, maths. I couldn't tell you what the stats are there. I'm not sure that we have that level of detail from the data that the government's been collecting. But, yes, some really woeful numbers and none really sit higher than around 25%. And I'm imagining, do you see those stats the same globally? If you extrapolate it out globally, where the, it's is there any country that's doing this well at the moment from your experience or your knowledge? Yeah, no, not really. It's pretty yeah. reflective of what the situation is globally. I did look at the US stats last year and they were pretty similar. Yeah, wow. Well. So I found a quote of you and, you know, I'm just going to read this quote out because I'm really curious as to what we can do. So you are quoted as saying, I believe female leadership can create powerful, positive and far-reaching impact. We can keep talking about the lack of women in STEM leadership, a bit like what we're doing now, and the impact it is having on STEM capability, or we can start doing something about it now. I'd love to explore, Susan, like, one, why do we have to do something about it now? Why does it matter in your mind? And then, you know, what do you believe we should be doing? Yeah, so Janine, it absolutely matters. When we've only got, you know, 50% of the population, predominantly men, inputting into STEM innovation, STEM capability development, commercialisation, application of STEM, new STEM technologies, as well as discovery and development of new STEM technologies, we're missing out on incredible intelligence, smarts, innovation, potential and power of all those women. And not just that, but the experience they bring as women to solving the big challenges that as a global society we're experiencing. And, you know, particularly climate change is one that really concerns me. If we're not bringing women's voices and experiences and diversity of thought into solving climate change, everywhere from sort of policies to engineering to how global communities are managed as well as the transfer or the transformation rather of the energy sector, how on earth are we going to get it right? The other element around innovation is that it has such an impact on the life experience of women. And this is particularly, you know, in first world countries, we're doing okay, but we're not equitable. 
as far as, you know, in the same context as men are regarding technology, access to finance, all those things. But in third world countries, less developed societies, their access to finance, internet, an iPhone, health even care is really limited. So as we become more innovative, more of a technology-based society, I mean, even more than we currently are, and when you think about bringing AI into the fact, into the mm. context as well, we have to be really careful that the equity, gender equity situation for women doesn't worsen. We have to make sure that it's improving gender equity and delivering gender equity. So I think two really important factors. One's the gender global gender equity. The other one is actually in order to solve the real challenges we're experiencing, and I consider security challenges there as well, cybersecurity, national security, but health, health and medical research and delivery. We, all of those areas, we need women's input. And actually, we need women's leadership as well because women are fabulous leaders and we need to move to a different type of leadership that includes feminine approaches to leadership, you know, collaborative, compassionate, emotionally intelligent, inclusive. And then how do we go about doing that? I focus on uplifting more women into leadership and I think about I think about that being the key way that we can extend the STEM ecosystem to include more women in it. So there's been a lot of work done in Australia and elsewhere around the world, particularly over the last 10 years, there's been a big push to increase the number of women in STEM education, STEM roles, but we really haven't moved a lot. And when you look at what might sort of attract and retain girls and women to STEM, there's lots and lots of barriers, process barriers, structural barriers, really that are underpinned by the masculine culture of STEM. What we need to do, you know, we, we really can't, we've been trying to get rid of those barriers, right, trying to dismantle them, but actually we can't because the culture is so masculine. In some places, that you know, it's starting to work a little bit, but as an ecosystem, we're not evolving And so what we need to do is get more women into leadership roles in STEM so that we can adjust that leadership climate, input the types of behaviours, beliefs and values that will create an inclusive leadership culture that will then stem down to create those inclusive structures and processes that will bring more women, women into STEM. So I see women in leadership roles in STEM as a real magnet having a real magnetic effect in in bringing other women into STEM because they, those leaders, those female leaders will create the leadership culture that will dismantle those barriers for other women. So are you inspired to step up, to take massive action in your own business? Maybe you're feeling like the world's best kept secret and a little bit invisible right now. Or maybe you're frustrated at your lack of progress and want to win more at work and succeed more in life. Maybe it's about being ready to welcome more sales and more profit finally into your business. If you're interested in finding out more about my work, check me out on all the usual social platform suspects or email me at support at and let's set up a time to chat about how I can help you. And I'm curious because you've mentioned masculine culture a couple of times and I know there'll be people on this podcast that are high-fiving you virtually because they may be women that have 
experienced working in masculine cultures. And equally, I know that we have an, an amazing male leadership listening to this that may be curious about what that actually looks like, because it's that whole thing, isn't it? Unless you're, you see it, unless you're in it, it's hard to really understand what other people are experiencing, whether it be race, gender, cultural heritage, etc. So from your, I mean, you've lived and breathed STEM through your career. What are some of the things you've done? I was trying, I was looking through your resume. I was like, oh my God, this woman is incredible. So chemistry research, public service, you've worked in the defense, 25 years, essentially in the world of STEM through study research and really getting involved in defense policy and capabilities. So so you've been there, you lived and breathed it. You shared with us an example at the beginning. I'm curious, what other things have you heard from the people that you work with, male and female, and even non-binary? What have you heard around what is this masculine culture that you are seeing, continuing to see right now, that essentially is becoming that barrier to change? Can you give us, can you just explain that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely, Janine. I might just take a step back and explain that, you know, the STEM culture is what it is because of the fact, simply the fact that we, for a long time, men were predominantly the contributors to science. Of course, not only, but predominantly. Science, technology, engineering, maths, predominantly men were in those workforces contributing that intellectual power. Now, culture is, culture arises from, you know, the minds and the personalities and the belief systems that are contributing to that ecosystem. It's the way we do things around here. And culture is very difficult and slow to change. And it's not until you get a critical mass that you can really change culture. And so, you know, no organisation intends to, intends that their culture, you know, is maintained in such a way that it is non-inclusive. Of course not. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that culture is very slow to change. Mm. And so, you know, some of the particular challenges I see, and it's, it's, you know, slightly different, or some of these challenges and barriers of associated with the culture can be exacerbated in different STEM fields. So I think across the board, you know, there's still that double bind for women, absolutely, that if they are being assertive in their leadership or assertive in their approach in the workplace, they're seen as too aggressive. But if they're, and if they're not being, you know, really communal and kind and compassionate, they're seen as, you know, not feminine enough. So they're either seen as too masculine or not feminine enough. And so there's this sort of, you know, traditional set of characteristics, traits that sort of prevail in the culture and they don't always align with women and women's preferred ways of communicating and traits and characteristics. So certainly in the science field, there's that real challenge for women around caring responsibilities, coming back from maternity leave if they choose to have a family and perhaps not having access to the great jobs, to managing projects, perhaps not going back to the amazing job that they had previously any break in a research career can be really detrimental for women, if it, particularly if it's their own research, because no one's carrying that research on while they're gone. So it really puts can put women either off from having a family until they've established, well-established their career, or it can really result in career challenges for them and career progression. You know, for people in the engineering, women in the engineering and tech space, so both from research as well as what people are telling me now is that because there's not many women around, 
they're sometimes the only woman in a team of men and that makes it hard for them to feel like they're having their voice heard, hard to share their voice and share what they really think because they're different, they think differently and they want to raise different issues and they want to communicate differently. You know, some women that I work with in the tech space, they talk about this, you know, actual experience of all the guys in their hoodies just focused on their computer keyboards and then, you know, those guys go home and they just keep coding all night. It's practically what they do 24 hours a day because they love it so much. But the women, they when they go home, they want to do other hobbies. Mm. They have other interests. And so they find it really hard to connect and feel like they're part of the team. And they're even told that, well, you're not good enough because you're not doing it 24 hours a day. Mm. That's a real challenge for them. You know, sexual discrimination and sexual assault still occurs in STEM fields. There was some research from, I think, 2018 that showed that about, yeah, significant, maybe maybe 25 to 30% of respondents to this particular survey had indicated that they had been sexually assaulted in the workplace. And if you think about what's often in the news, been in the news the last few years about the mining sector, it's even more prevalent. You know, I hear stories about women who work on mining sites and they they are fearful. They're fearful for their safety. Mm. But they love their job. And they should love your job. I mean, that's what we talk about here on this podcast is you yeah. know, finding your passion and unleashing that brilliance as you have of identifying what it is that you want to do with your life and the impact you want to make and stepping into your brilliance and becoming a voice of change. So I'm really curious, Susan, for you and anyone can find your story by going to your website find Susan on LinkedIn. You also have a business called AI Leadership. I love where that name comes from. You said it's from the African Adinkra firm, a symbol of endurance and resourcefulness. Just fabulous. So I'm, I'm really curious for our listeners to hear, you know, taking a stance like you are, doing the work that you are doing, it's not easy work. Mm. Being a voice for these women and trying to change the systemic stuff, which, as you said, is going to take time. And at the same time, it's helping those women step into their power to create and be part of the change that you know is needed. But before we get on to some tips that you'd share with our listeners, I'm really curious to hear what you've learned by being that voice that's trying to change because there are so many of our listeners that stand for something and it's really scary going out there and being this game changer, this person that's trying to shake things up. What have you learned about yourself, Susan, during this process of really starting to take that mantle and and become a big voice in this space of STEM? Yeah, oh, Janine, such a good a good reflection point for me. And I've been it's something that I really have reflected on and put a lot of effort into over the past few years, really since starting my business. I mean, I teach women how to be leaders that are authentic to who they are. And I can't do that if I haven't done that work myself. So that was the first thing I had to do. And I guess what I've learned along the way in the last sort of four or five years is that actually I'm enough just how I am and that I have all this skills and experience that I can combine with my passion to help people and solve a really big problem and that's enough. I mean, in my science research career, I didn't feel like I was enough. I wasn't 
in the sort of environment that made me feel like I was enough. And then, you know, moving into another masculine leadership type of culture, whilst there was, you know, great professionalism, again, you know, I felt like I was always had to strive more, become more like the men. So really becoming comfortable with finding out who I am and what my real values and purpose are and being comfortable with putting down that striving to climb the career ladder and actually focusing on, you know, finding joy in what I do and and not comparing myself. I think the comparisonitis was something that really really drove me in my corporate career, not so much in my science career, but definitely in my corporate career and being able to let go of that, learning how to let go of that. Because if I have comparisonitis and I'm trying to be like other people, I'm not bringing what others need of me. Mm-hmm. So that was a big lesson as well. So many lessons, you know, learning how to, you know, become more abundant, learning how to be really clear about what I want to contribute and, being able to share that. So I had, I did have to, I had to find my voice even more. So I've, you know, been able to do that. Lots of learning to go still, but being able to, you know, find my voice and increase my visibility in in a new space. So when I started my business, I really was in a completely new space where I didn't have a network. So I had to build that up again. And I'm so, you know, so pleased to see that there's so many passionate people, men and women, working to dismantle the structural biases and barriers for diversity in STEM, cultural, gender. Yeah. I love all of that. And as as you know, because we've spoken about this, it's it's my passion piece and it's in terms of helping women really step into their brilliance and understanding, you know, through the work that I do and the clients I work with, it really is this. You can have the biggest dream in the world. You can have the biggest vision in the world. You can be really clear on the impact that you want to make. But until you're brave enough to really be who it is that you want to be every single day and to become that person and to step into that power, to step into that spotlight without any fear, which is really hard, and to do the work that you want to do and just keep going on it, it's really hard. And that's where that frustration piece comes from. So what I'd love, because I'm sure there's people listening to this that wanted me to ask this, you know, what if you could give three bits of advice if there's women in on this listening to this right now that are going oh, that's me what tips what three pieces of advice would you give to our listeners around really changing that status quo for them what advice would you give to them that they can potentially start working on today after yeah. this podcast Absolutely. So, and I think this advice probably extends beyond just STEM and security. Mm -hmm. I think it extends to every woman or every person who thinks that they want to make a bigger impact, but maybe feel like they're being held back. Yeah. First of all, know what it is that you want to contribute. Know, have great clarity on what you want to contribute, but, but more importantly, why. Sometimes our what changes over time. But generally, the fundamental why doesn't change. So when I look back at what drove me to get into STEM initially, there's still that fundamental driver to make an impact, positive impact on the world through STEM, through creating new knowledge. Now I'm just helping other, I'm helping other women to do that rather than me doing that because that's where I think I can contribute to that bigger goal. So that's the first thing, really understand what your why is and what it is that you want to contribute. 
The second thing I would say is you really have to understand yourself. How are you showing up? And gosh, what I know about myself now, I wish I knew when I was 30. Mm. (laughs) But, you know, you don't have to wait till you get to my age. There's plenty of things you can do. So, you know, reflection, understand, you know, what's important to you, who it is that you are, what your values are, how you engage with people, how you behave. What behaviours have you grown up with because other people modelled those to you and are they the behaviours you want to take forward or do you actually have a different way that you want to be behaving? And I think for me that was a big learning when I kind of got to my, I don't know, maybe maybe around 30 and looked back and realised that, I've you know, I had all these behaviours that I'd kind of inherited from my community as I grew up and actually those they weren't going to get me to where I wanted to go. I actually wanted to be not a different person. I wanted to behave differently. So I had to do the work to intentionally create those changes. You know, thirdly, I'd say, and I know this is something close to your heart too, surround yourself with people who believe in you and support you. I've been really lucky to be surrounded by men and women who, so family, friends, as well as colleagues, and particularly my husband, who believed in me more than I believed in myself. And they saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. So having those people around you can really help you to stretch yourself but also gain that further understanding about what your strengths are, you know, what your brilliance is. They really help you to unlock your brilliance, I think. You can't do it alone. And, you know, it took me a long long time to learn that too long. And so I'd love other people to take that tip and absolutely apply that. Get yourself a network of people around you, including mentors, who believe in you, who see something brilliant in you and can help you not just unlock your brilliance but then step into it and attain it. Oh, high five to all of that. Suze, we've got to wrap up. But before we do, I'd just love to hear what is your wish? What is the ultimate wish? If, you know, by the time you leave this planet on the back of all the work that you've done, what is your wish? What is it that you go, yeah, my time mattered. What is it that your that wish is? Yeah, look, from a personal perspective, it's really about family, you know, just helping my kids to be, to learn how to be happy humans, happy individuals that they themselves want to contribute to others and to the world in however they choose to, but to have that confidence, that happiness and those, those skills and just, you know, spending happy time with my family. But from a professional perspective, it's absolutely I want to see 50% gender representation at all levels in STEM. So from the top leadership levels all the way down to, you know, education. And I want to see that because I know that when we reach that, we're going to have a really incredible ecosystem. Women are going to be no longer held back. It'll have impacts. It'll have equity impacts on society and we'll be solving, we'll be having the right brain power to solve the most complex challenges that we're going to continue facing as a global society. Love that, Susan. I couldn't agree more. And you are so spot on. The reality is the challenges that we are facing now across the board, across economies, across industries, we've never faced before. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to become even more curious about the solutions to navigate that And we cannot do that alone. And we certainly cannot do it with 50% of the workforce. Thank you for stepping up. Thank you for being a game changer. I will put in the show notes how people can contact you. Your work absolutely matters. 
And I've seen firsthand the impact that you have on communities, on industries, on organizations, and on women when they become more empowered to share their smarts, to contribute, every single person benefits. So excited to have had this conversation. Thank you so much, Susan. And I look forward to continuing to seeing the change that you make for so many people out there, both in their own careers, but also organizations that are wanting to change. It's just incredible work. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Janine. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what change that we can create together, the whole community in the next few years. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I hope you have new ideas on how to step into your own brilliance after listening today. For those of you who don't know, my own brilliance is helping businesswomen embrace their brilliance to achieve greater profits, align with their purpose and create greater impact through their business. I've helped thousands of businesswomen leverage their networks, build rock solid business plans and break through the glass ceiling to become seven figure business owners and beyond. If you're looking to take your business to the next level and have been feeling stuck or are frustrated that it's been taking forever, then shoot me a message today as I'd love to help you. You can email me directly at support at janinegarner.com.au or find me on any of my social media platforms listed in the show notes below. Until next time, have an absolutely fabulous day.